Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for Sunday, April 12th, 2015. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Dan McClintock, Minister of Missions and Family Life at Park Road Baptist Church. His sermon this morning is entitled, Faith, Use It or Lose It? This morning I wanted to talk to you about the disciples, an episode from their life of following Jesus. And I like to to talk about the disciples because when I look at their lives, what they say and do, I can really relate to them. They spent much of their time misunderstanding, misinterpreting, misconstruing Jesus' words, taking missteps, and making mistakes. In short, they spent a lot of time just plain missing it. They don't understand much of what Jesus has to say to them about the kingdom of God. His parables often go right over their heads, even when he tries to explain them more clearly. At one point, Jesus says, How can you have been with me for so long, and yet still you don't understand what I'm trying to tell you? They ask inappropriate questions like, who among us will be greatest in the kingdom, and who gets to sit at your right and at your left? They intervene at all the wrong times, first trying to keep the little children from coming to Jesus, To which he replies, no, let them come to me. And as a matter of fact, you need to be a little more like these little children. They intervene again, trying to stop a little boy from offering his basket of loaves and fishes to Jesus. And we know what happens next. Jesus somehow turns that offering into enough food to feed over 5,000 people. They want to keep Jesus from rolling away the stone in front of Lazarus' tomb. They even want to prevent him from going to Jerusalem at the feast of the Passover, not understanding that Jesus had been preparing for that day for quite some time. Try as they might, more often than not, the disciples just can't get it right. And when I hear the stories of the disciples, I'm encouraged because I think, well, if there was hope for them, then there might also be hope for someone like me. But in spite of all their shortcomings, one thing the disciples did get right, and surely it's the most important thing. Once they had been with Jesus, they knew there was nowhere else to go to find what they'd experienced with him. There was nowhere else to go to find the life they found with him. So they kept following, sometimes hesitating, sometimes complaining, sometimes even doubting, but they followed him because somehow they knew that it was the right thing to do. It was the only thing to do. 
Yes, I can relate to the disciples. I see myself reflected in many of their thoughts and in their words. So when they say to Jesus in today's passage in Luke, Lord, increase our faith. I'm right there with them thinking, finally, they're getting it right. What is faith? Will Willimon, former pastor and professor at Duke Divinity School, says faith is trust, belief, conviction, relationship. The disciples obviously had some measure of faith. They were following Jesus around as his disciples. What they yearned for was more trust, surer belief, stronger conviction, deeper relationship. What they wanted was more faith. Surely asking Jesus to increase their faith has to be the right thing to do. So I find myself asking right along with them, yes, Lord, increase my faith too. More trust, surer belief, stronger conviction, deeper relationship. Don't we all want that? It seems like the right kind of request. And yet Jesus doesn't respond in quite the way I would have anticipated. He doesn't jump for joy and congratulate them on their theological acuity. In fact, his response is surprising. It sounds almost like a rebuke. If you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. In other words, Jesus is saying, if you had just a little bit of faith, like the tiniest of seeds, and you put that faith to work, you could perform marvelous signs and wonders. And then he goes on to tell the disciples this curious story of the slave who works hard all day long in the fields. Jesus asks, When he is finished, do you invite him in immediately for a meal? No. You make him prepare your dinner and serve you. And then he can eat. In fact, you don't even thank him because he's only doing what's expected of him. Jesus tells his disciples, this is the way it is for a slave, and this is how it ought to be for you. In a nutshell, do what you're supposed to do. Wow, that sounds kind of harsh. How are we to understand this abrupt response of Jesus? First of all, if we look at what immediately precedes the request by the disciples for an increase of faith, we discover that Jesus is talking about forgiveness. He says, if your brother sins against you seven times a day and repents seven times, then you should forgive him. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus says, we should be willing to forgive not just seven times a day, but 70 times seven. In other words, 
we should not keep count of the wrongs against us. But instead, we should always be ready and willing to offer forgiveness. No wonder the disciples responded by saying, Lord, increase our faith. They're not so different from you and me. And they knew that it's sometimes pretty difficult to forgive. They knew that they were incapable of offering that kind of limitless forgiveness on their own. That they would need an increase in faith if they were ever going to succeed at it. We've all known someone who had a difficult time forgiving a wrong that was committed against them. Maybe we've even been there ourselves. We've seen the kind of anger and bitterness that can take root where there's a lack of forgiveness and the isolation and pain that such bitterness can produce. It's no wonder then that Jesus has so much to say about forgiveness. If you forgive others for their transgressions, God will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then God will not forgive your transgressions. Yet even understanding the importance of forgiveness and knowing the damage that a lack of forgiveness can do doesn't always make it easier for us to forgive. Sometimes trying harder to forgive just doesn't seem to work. Sometimes what's required is a little more faith. If by faith we mean remembering that the grace of God has allowed us to be forgiven. If by faith we mean surrendering our anger and bitterness, asking God to take them from us so that God can create in us some space for love and forgiveness. If by faith we mean trusting God to give us even the desire to forgive, then yes, maybe the disciples were right in asking for an increase in faith. So why does Jesus seem to respond so negatively? Why doesn't he just say, you're right, you can't always forgive, you can't do that on your own, what you need is more faith, so zap, here it is. Well, aside from the fact that I don't think God operates very often by zapping us, and we can probably be thankful for that, in this encounter with the disciples, I think what Jesus is trying to teach them is that it's not so much a question of how much or how little faith they have. An increase in faith is not necessarily what's required. It's more a question of taking whatever measure of faith we have and of putting that faith, even the tiniest little bit of faith, into action. It's what they do with their faith that counts. During Jesus' ministry, he heals the sick, gives sight to the blind, makes the lame to walk, cleanses lepers, and casts out demons. And somehow, faith always seems to play a part. 
Sometimes it's the faith of the one being healed, like in the case of the woman with the issue of blood or the man born blind. And sometimes, as in the case of the paralyzed man who was lowered through the roof by his friends or the healing of Jairus' daughter, it's because of the faith of others. When Jesus performs these signs and wonders during his earthly ministry, somewhere, somehow, faith has something to do with it. And what about today? If I have cancer, can my faith save me? If I pray enough and believe enough, can my loved one be spared the pain and agony of a long and excruciating death? And if I pray and my cancer spreads, or my loved one keeps getting sicker, does that mean that my faith is somehow lacking? That I just don't have enough faith? It's tempting to think so. We see this correlation, some kind of correlation, between faith and healing in the New Testament. And we think that if we just have enough faith, then we can get better, or our loved one might not have to die. I know, because I've been there, I've prayed at the bedside of a little boy who was dying of brain cancer and thought, if I believe enough that healing is possible, might Patrick be spared? And more recently, I asked God to ease the suffering of my own father, and I tried to believe with all my heart in order to make it happen. But things aren't the same today as they were in Jesus' time. Many of the miracles that he performed and that his disciples performed after him were possible because Jesus, the miracle worker, is the Christ, the long-awaited Messiah. These signs and wonders validated his ministry and demonstrated the power of the Spirit in the early church. Does this mean that miracles no longer happen today? Certainly not. I believe that when someone falls gravely ill, we should always begin by praying for a miracle. But realize that God's intervention or non-intervention does not depend on the measure of my faith. And remember too that death is not always the enemy, but is sometimes the welcome relief from pain and suffering for which we've been praying all along. In today's passage, Jesus admonishes his followers to put their faith into action. We can do that by praying for the sick, first for healing, and if healing doesn't come, then for the strength and comfort of God's presence. We can put our faith into action by building a habitat house, by serving a meal for the homeless, by donating money to the church, by teaching a Sunday school class, by sharing our faith with a neighbor, by treating others with love and respect. We can put our faith to work by trusting more, by letting go of the reins a little bit, by not giving in to despair, by holding on to hope. There are countless ways for us to put our faith to good purpose.
if you had faith like a mustard seed. Jesus wasn't calling into question whether or not his followers had faith. He knew that they did. What Jesus cared about was what came next. You would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted. If you have faith, says Jesus, then say something. Do something with your faith. James, one of Jesus' followers, was there when Jesus said this, and he was one who got it right. Later on in his letters, James said, Faith without works is useless. Faith without works is dead. I think that's the message that Jesus was trying to get across to his followers. And it's the message that he wants us to hear today. You want more faith, deeper faith, then keep living faithfully. You don't get more faith by closing your eyes and trying real hard to feel or believe something. Being a Christian is not just about believing a set of ideas. It's about living a certain way. In taking up this way of life, by following the way of Jesus, we are brought closer to God. Our faith is increased. And it's a gift. So go out from this sanctuary and put your faith into action. Pray. Feed the hungry. Work on the side of the oppressed. Practice hospitality. Be kind, gracious, and loving in all of your relationships. And if you do, if you put your faith to work, it will increase. That little mustard seed of faith will blossom and grow into a large tree, large enough for birds to come and nest in its branches. Put your faith to work, and it will increase. And you won't even have to ask. May it be so. Thanks for listening today. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Grace and peace to you.